Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. While elections are sometimes messy, this was a secure election. The founders began the fight for human liberty and self-governance, and it's up to us to finish the job. I tell you what, we are in a truth emergency right now. This is the end game. It's Thursday, December 15th, 2022, the 694th day of dystopia. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. A warm welcome and hello to all of you listening to the podcast on the day of its release. The only way to do that is by becoming a paid subscriber at imyourmoderator.substack.com. You can do so for as little as $50 a year or $5 a month. And in doing so, you will be supporting me, the work I do, and this show as it expands. And if you can't or you simply don't want to, continue listening to the podcast for free a couple of days later on a variety of podcast platforms and, of course, Rumble. All I ask is that you share it with your friends. You can find the links to the podcast, the writing, the social media, and the merch site by visiting linktree.com slash I'm your moderator. So yesterday, Donald Trump, sometime in the middle of the day, put out a post on Truth Social, said that he has a major announcement tomorrow. America needs a superhero. And it included a little video of Trump basically with the, the Superman suit on underneath his suit, tearing the shirt open standing in front of Trump Tower, laser eyes, just pointing in all directions. And everybody said, oh, great, Trump has a major announcement. And he had a major announcement last month, of course. He announced that he was going to run for president in 2024. He has had many announcements of major announcements, and sometimes those announcements get shifted. But they always cause a reaction. They cause a reaction on our side of the fence in our community, as people try to figure out what could this announcement be? Is it truly going to be major? If it is major, why is it next to a cartoon superhero version of Trump with lasers shooting out of his eyes? If it's not a major announcement, why is he saying it is a major announcement? And then you just watch how the other side reacts as well. Ooh, Trump has a major announcement. It's going to be very major this time. And then when he announces something, they are going to say it's not major, no matter what it is. And why? Because they are still trying. They are begging. They are desperately clinging on to any potential membership in the party of false decorum. And there is no way 
to show your membership, your intended membership in the party of false decorum, than by attempting to deride Donald Trump and his supporters. It is virtue signaling for people trapped in the false reality. The greatest virtue you can have in there is to hate Donald Trump. It is the currency of the realm. But it's fun to spitball and speculate. So people were coming up with ideas about what Trump's major announcement could be. Could it be an attempt to become Speaker of the House next year? Could it be that he's announcing his vice presidential running mate for his 2024 campaign? I was thinking maybe Donald Trump might announce something, some involvement with Kerry Lake's lawsuit in Arizona, because throughout the lawsuit, it continually mentions the evidence from 2020. Donald Trump certainly has that evidence. Maybe some of that was going to join her suit. Turns out it wasn't any of those things. John Solomon from Just the News nailed it at some point in the evening yesterday and theorized that Trump might be releasing an NFT. And it turns out that's exactly what Trump did. He released a series of NFTs, which are graphic illustrations of Donald Trump as a series of different superheroes-ish. Some of them aren't so superhero-ish. He's a spaceman and he's a cowboy and he's a James Bond looking figure in a tuxedo on a red carpet. But he's released a bunch of them and there's somewhere between eight and 17 of them, it seems. I don't know how many. But naturally, the community started digging and started thinking and brainstorming and spitballing and a lot of really smart and interesting ideas have come out so far. So I'm going to share a bunch of them with you. The website, by the way, that Trump is selling the NFTs on is called collecttrumpcards.com. And in order to buy them, of course, you have to have a digital wallet. And the options available on the website are either Coinbase or MetaMask, from what I can see. And so if you want to get a Trump card, you have to sign up and become the new owner of a digital wallet, which means you have to learn something and understand a new idea, which can eventually lead you into the world of Bitcoin. And I just discussed a bunch of this on my Badlands show, What We Missed on Tuesday night with G Money. And we talked extensively about what Bitcoin actually is beyond just a currency and what it might mean in the world as we go forward. So this is Trump encouraging his supporters and anyone interested to sign up for a digital wallet. That is an interesting first step. Now, it's also interesting that today is an exact 1700 day delta from the Q post. This is number 1201 on 420, Q responded to an Anon on the board that said trap card played nice work Q and then Q responded Trump card coming. So 1700 days later, it's very interesting. If you don't think it's interesting, if you think Q is stupid, you might think that this is a random coincidence. That means absolutely nothing. And that's just fine. Keep thinking that for as long as it takes you to not keep thinking that anymore. But is Trump signaling that he's playing the Trump card? Maybe. No matter what, it's an awfully strange coincidence that exactly 1,700 days ago, Q mentioned the Trump card, and now Trump is saying, hey, I have somewhere around 17 Trump cards available. Who is that message to? Is it to us? Is it to who might be a bit nervous about Trump Playing a Trump card could be, but the point is, whatever's going on, the best way to view it is not to take your emotional reaction of disappointment that he didn't go back to Twitter and say, my fellow Americans, the storm is upon us or announce that the military is taking over or something and attempt to rationalize that attempt to. Make it out like Donald Trump has no idea what he's doing. 
the hot takes on Twitter are like, whoever is advising Donald Trump really needs to be fired. I mean, how many times have people on Twitter said that? Every normie in the world, even like MAGA normies, people who will vote for Trump because he's the best option among a bunch of bad options. That's how they look at it. They'll support Trump. They're happy to support Trump. They just don't really look outside the central narrative. They don't try to figure out what else might be going on. Everything is viewed only at the surface level, and they'll collect some analysis from people on Twitter from mainstream sources that they believe they can trust because they're not quite woke, you know, like Daily Wire types or like Tim Pool or Steven Crowder, even Jason Whitlock, who I normally think is great, was out there with bad takes today, agreeing with Tim Pool. Oh, Trump's basically just announcing he's retiring. He just doesn't want to run. That's what all this is. Oh, Trump is grifting off his supporters again. Everybody always looking out for everybody else. Trump has tricked his supporters once again. No, commies. Trump has tricked you once again. We're the ones who don't get tricked by Trump because we can see what he's doing. It doesn't mean that we know what he's going to do all the time. Nobody knows what he's going to do all the time except for him and some people close around him. We can have fun with our predictions. We can spitball and speculate, but we don't know what he's going to do. We do know that he's not some dumb guy wandering around taking advice from every idiot in his presence and then making a series of terrible moves. And for a lot of people, that explanation doesn't work. And I get it because there's so much outside pressure. Everyone is saying Trump is dumb. Trump is dumb. This is another dumb thing. Oh, another big failure by Trump. Trump has terrible advisors. And you think, man, I've been disappointed so many times. Maybe these guys are right. Well, they're not right. They have been tricked by Donald Trump at every single turn forever. They have never analyzed anything Donald Trump has done properly. So you can actually dismiss their takes out of hand. I mean, if they have a good idea, think about the good idea. Think it through. Are you going to end up in the same place they end up thinking that Trump is stupid and has no idea what's going on? If so, I don't know what to tell you. I do know that all the people who are continuously saying that love doing it because they get attention from people who are left of them or more normie than them. When they make those hot takes, those kinds of people, all of them very committed to the party of false decorum, many of them just simply clueless liberals and Biden supporters and people who still think Joe Biden got 81 million real legal American votes, people who have mask selfies, those people absolutely love it when mainstream quote unquote conservatives tell them that Trump is bad because they're like, oh, yeah, OK, well, you know, Ben Shapiro still really has a point here. Maybe I should listen to this guy. He does know Trump is bad. And oh, man, I know Trump is bad, too. In fact, I say it all the time. And that's when my liberal friends really seem to respect me for a little while. And of course, yeah, they go and talk behind my back as soon as I leave. But as long as I keep saying I hate Trump in front of them, they love me. And it's so great. So that's what I'm going to go out and do on Twitter. I'm going to put my own little twist, my own little spin on it. Oh, he's retired. Oh, he's grifting off his supporters as if everyone who supports Trump is just going to run out and spend their money on whatever he tells them to if they don't have the money to spend. Oh, he's taking every last dollar from his supporters. Really? Ukraine flag people? You are sending all of the country's money to a comedic actor and cokehead in Ukraine who's running a Nazi army. Shut your mouths. I can't convince you to stop listening to these people. In fact, I don't want you to stop listening to these people. Continue listening to them and see where it gets you. If they continue leading you to the wrong conclusions, stop listening to them altogether. Tim Pool. Ben Shapiro? Did Tim Pool realize the election was stolen? Nope. Has he really talked about election fraud at all for over two years? No. Has Ben Shapiro? Of course not. 
Ben Shapiro was shilling vaccines on his show. And then he came out just a month or so ago and said he was wrong. He got it wrong. His faith tradition has taught him to trust the experts because they're the ones who know, not him. How could he know? I mean, sure, his wife is a doctor, but she was just trusting the experts too. The truth is neither of them ever checked and they didn't check about election fraud either. So how long can you continue to take these people's opinions seriously? They're going to go out and say bad things about Donald Trump, and then everyone's going to believe them, and then everyone's going to say bad things about Donald Trump to you, and they're going to message you, hey, ha, 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 I told you Donald Trump is very bad. When are you finally going to give up on Donald Trump? If you still have people in your life like that, why are they in your life, right? Why are they in your life? How evil were they to you? During COVID, how evil are they about the election fraud? How about the insurrection? How about the slave trade at the southern border? How about inflation? How about any of it? Do these people know what's going on or do they like to take pieces of news they find that they think are bad to you and then send them your way as if they suddenly became the smart person who knows what's going on because they saw a tweet? about how stupid Trump is. Oh, 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 he put out an NFT. You're so dumb for following this man. Can't you see he's just trying to steal your money? It's so absurd. And all of the people saying that stayed on Twitter for the last few years, trying to learn in a censored environment, an environment that they knew was censored. And they still just went on assuming that they are attracting the full knowledge of the world. It all flows right to them through Twitter. But it turns out a couple years later, they don't know anything. They are just finding out for the first time things that we have known for years. We don't have to take these people seriously. You don't have to have an emotional reaction to everything. Okay, you really, really don't. First off, don't raise your expectations to the point where they are unreasonable and then attach all your emotions to that expectation so that when your expectation is not met, you'll feel bad. That is on you to fix that problem. That is not a Donald Trump problem. That is a you problem. Center yourself in reality, center yourself in your faith and work your way through it. We are being taught valuable lessons in our lives right now. We're not supposed to keep repeating the same mistakes, setting extraordinarily high expectations and being upset when they aren't met about situations you have absolutely no control over is not a habit you want to carry with you through the rest of your life. And it turns out that wasn't even Donald Trump's only announcement today. Here's another one. If we don't have free speech, then we just don't have a free country. It's as simple as that. If this most fundamental right is allowed to perish, then the rest of our rights and liberties will topple just like dominoes one by one. They'll go down. That's why today I'm announcing my plan to shatter the left wing censorship regime and to reclaim the right to free speech for all Americans. And reclaim is a very important word in this case because they've taken it away. In recent weeks, bombshell reports have confirmed that a sinister group of deep state bureaucrats, Silicon Valley tyrants, left-wing activists, and depraved corporate news media have been conspiring to manipulate and silence the American people. They have collaborated to suppress vital information on everything from elections to public health. The censorship cartel must be dismantled and destroyed, and it must happen immediately. And here's my plan. First, within hours of my inauguration, I will sign an executive order banning any federal department or agency from colluding with any organization, business, or person to censor, limit, categorize or impede the lawful speech of American citizens. I will then ban federal money from being used 
to label domestic speech as mis- or disinformation. And I will begin the process of identifying and firing every federal bureaucrat who has engaged in domestic censorship, directly or indirectly, whether they are the Department of Homeland Security, the Department of Health, Human Services, the FBI, the DOJ, no matter who they are. Second, I will order the Department of Justice to investigate all parties involved in the new online censorship regime, which is absolutely destructive and terrible, and to aggressively prosecute any and all crimes identified. These include possible violations of federal civil rights law, campaign finance laws, federal election law, securities law, and antitrust laws, the Hatch Act, and a host of other potential criminal, civil, regulatory, and constitutional offenses. To assist in these efforts, I am urging House Republicans to immediately send preservation letters, and we have to do this right now, to the Biden administration, the Biden campaign, and every Silicon Valley tech giant, ordering them not to destroy evidence of censorship. Third, upon my inauguration as president, I will ask Congress to send a bill to my desk, revising Section 230, to get big online platforms out of censorship business. From now on, digital platforms should only qualify for immunity protection under Section 230 if they meet high standards of neutrality, transparency, fairness, and non-discrimination. We should require these platforms to increase their efforts to take down unlawful content such as child exploitation and promoting terrorism while dramatically curtailing their power to arbitrarily restrict lawful speech. Fourth, we need to break up the entire toxic censorship industry that has arisen under the false guise of tackling so-called mis- and disinformation. The federal government should immediately stop funding all nonprofits and academic programs that support this authoritarian project. If any U.S. university is discovered to have engaged in censorship activities or election interferences in the past, such as flagging social media content for removal of blacklisting, those universities should lose federal research dollars and federal student loan support for a period of five years and maybe more. We should also enact new laws laying out clear criminal penalties for federal bureaucrats who partner with private entities to do an end run around the Constitution and deprive Americans of their First, Fourth, and Fifth Amendment rights. In other words, deprive them of their vote. And once you lose those elections, and once you lose your borders like we have, you no longer have a country. Furthermore, to confront the problems of major platforms being infiltrated by legions of former deep staters and intelligence officials, there should be a seven-year calling-off period before any employee of the FBI, CIA, NSA, DNI, DHS, or DOD is allowed to take a job at a company possessing vast quantities of U.S. user data. Fifth, the time has finally come for Congress to pass a digital bill of rights. This should include a right to digital due process. In other words, government officials should need a court order to take down online content, not send information requests such as the FBI was sending to Twitter. Furthermore, when users of big online platforms have their content or accounts removed, throttled, shadow banned, or otherwise restricted, no matter what name they use, they should have the right to be informed that it's happening, the right to a specific explanation of the reason why, and the right to a timely appeal. In addition, all users over the age of 18 should have the right to opt out of content moderation and curation entirely and receive an unmanipulated stream of information if they so choose. The fight for free speech is a matter of victory or death for America and for the survival of Western civilization itself. When I am president, this whole rotten system of censorship and information control will be ripped out of the system at large. There won't be anything left. 
By restoring free speech, we'll begin to reclaim our democracy and save our nation. Thank you, and God bless America. So how's that for an announcement? Is that better even than Ron DeSantis's vaccine grand jury? Yeah, it is. It's a whole lot better than that. Now, I'm not saying that to say that what Ron DeSantis did is bad or that it won't be helpful, although we have no reason to believe it will be so far. But this is orders of magnitude bigger than a vaccine grand jury. This is the president of the United States saying he's going to make a concerted effort to restore free speech to America. He's talking about our most basic and fundamental rights, and he's talking about what will happen to the people who have violated them. This is enormous. This is the New York Post writing it up this morning. Trump vows to ban feds from IDing domestic misinformation if elected. Former President Donald Trump vowed Thursday that he will ban the federal government from using the terms misinformation and disinformation to describe domestic speech if he retakes the White House. The 76-year-old Trump made the pledge as part of a broader free speech platform announced in a video policy statement shared with The Post, vowing also to impose a seven-year ban on former FBI and CIA workers handling private sector consumer records. And you heard actually that there were more organizations beyond just the FBI and the CIA. I think he said DHS, DOD, DNI, and maybe some others. Trump said this month's Twitter file releases confirmed that a sinister group of deep state bureaucrats, Silicon Valley tyrants, left-wing activists, and depraved corporate news media have been conspiring to manipulate and silence the American people. That's absolutely true. The censorship cartel must be dismantled and destroyed, and it must happen immediately, Trump said in the video, which is expected to be the first in a series of policy announcements as part of his 2024 presidential campaign. Some of Trump's proposals, such as limiting Section 230 legal immunity for tech platforms unless they act with political neutrality, were pushed by the 45th president since his time in office, while others would forge new ground. Trump said that one of his first acts as the 47th president in January 2025 would be to prohibit federal policing of lawful domestic speech. Within hours of my inauguration, I will sign an executive order banning any federal government department or agency from colluding with any organization, business or person to censor, limit, categorize or impede the lawful speech of American citizens, he said. I will then ban federal money from being used to label domestic speech as mis or disinformation, and I will begin the process of identifying and firing every federal bureaucrat who is engaged in domestic censorship directly or indirectly, whether they are at the Department of Homeland Security, the Department of Health and Human Services, the FBI, the DOJ, no matter who they are. Although barring the use of the terms misinformation and disinformation would be a dramatic break from the Biden administration, which has admitted to flagging posts for Facebook to censor while allegedly operating social media tip lines with deletion requests, it is also in line with the stance of First Amendment advocates from across the political spectrum. And of course it is. But the New York Post might also have noted that the Biden administration was actually setting up a disinformation governance board within the DHS censorship for the Biden administration was a top priority. And Donald Trump plans to make it so that the federal government can never do that. The left leaning American Civil Liberties Union, for example, said in response to an October 31st report by The Intercept about federal pressure on social media to censor content. The First Amendment bars the government from deciding for us what is true or false online or anywhere. And the article goes on. I also thought it was interesting that he mentioned that colleges would lose their federal funding if they were involved in censorship, if they were submitting censorship requests through the government portals. And you can imagine that a whole lot of colleges have been doing exactly that. Is it just for the science and COVID misinformation? Maybe, but there's no reason that we should assume that was the limit of their censorship. Why wouldn't college professors who teach critical race theory or gender studies be submitting through portals to request censorship? They love pointing out which speech is dangerous. 
They teach entire courses on it. Now, I'm probably beating a dead horse by talking about this because I discuss censorship a lot, not only because it's been done to me personally and I can prove it, but because it infects literally everything. Again, censorship is the reason why all of these people on Twitter who the society for some reason trusts to analyze what's happening are always wrong about everything. They stayed in an informational bubble for all of their learning for the past three years. They didn't look at any information outside of that. The only time they got information from the outside was once it became so powerful that it blasted through their little bubble. And where does all that information start? Where is the wellspring of that information stream? Well, it's in the truth community. It's in the Q community. It's in the Anon community. Whatever part of that you are, whatever part of that you pay attention to, these truths do not come from the centralized authoritative source that just injects them straight into the informational bubble. They come from far outside of that and they build up as more people see them and vet them. People see the information, they vet the information. If it makes sense, if it rings true, if it seems like there's evidence for it, they pass it along and more people vet it. And eventually it gets up to levels where experts see it and they vet it. We have watched this process happen over and over and over again about everything COVID related, about vaccines, about election fraud. Who's studying the election fraud? It's certainly not the New York Times. It's not the authoritative source. It's not the regime feeding the information into the mainstream media trying to expose the truth of election fraud. No, it's individuals around the country operating the information stream at its most basic level, and that information eventually flows and cracks into the informational bubble. And that process takes time, which is why the people inside that informational bubble are trapped in the past. They think we're crazy because we say a bunch of things they simply don't know yet. They will know all those things to be true in a year or two years. Some of the smarter ones, it might only take them three months. It also depends on how much the censorship regime gets pushed back as this process goes along. The less censorship there is, the easier it is to close these timelines. And a lot of those timelines are closing pretty quickly. You might remember the FBI shooter at the FBI field office in Cincinnati. We were told that Trump supporters were going to go after federal law enforcement officials after the Mar-a-Lago raid. And sure enough, two days later, there's somebody attacking an FBI field office with a nail gun. We prove that story ridiculous in a matter of hours and the story disappears forever. A couple of weeks ago, they tried to start a kinetic World War III by reporting that Russia had launched missiles into Poland. Except that was totally false. And now that story is gone and they all pretend it never happened. Last night, they were actually seeding a narrative about some Russian problem with the International Space Station. Maybe they could have made a whole news day out of that today, depending on Donald Trump's announcement. It's amazing that some really kind of shocking and relatively unheard of problems arise as soon as Donald Trump announces that he has an announcement of an announcement or something. Every time Donald Trump makes it look publicly like he's going to do something, we start getting some really crazy stories. We don't actually have to listen to the things that are said by people who have remained trapped in Twitter for the last three years. They do not form our reality. They are behind reality by anywhere from a few days to a few months to a few years to potentially their entire lives. You got to understand that the people on the far opposite side of the spectrum right now, those people don't know anything true. In fact, they are exactly wrong about everything in their lives. And it goes right down to their most basic beliefs about life and the world and our existence in it to their relationships to everything else. They are exactly wrong about everything. Stop listening to them or you're doing yourself a disservice and you're welcome to continue doing yourself a disservice. You're doing yourself a bigger disservice when you have emotional reactions based on the things these people say. You're going to let those people ruin your day. 
You're going to let them tell you what to believe about subjects where you know more about the subject than they do. These people don't know anything about Donald Trump. Again, they've been tricked by Donald Trump at every single turn the entire time. They've never been right once. And they would say, oh, well, I said he wasn't going to win the 2020 election. Oh, really? You're going to hang your hat on being right about a stolen election that you don't understand? Is that what you were right about, Kami? Oh, congratulations. I'm going to bend the knee to you like you did to Black Lives Matter. So Donald Trump has very likely convinced thousands, hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of people to look into digital wallets and maybe open one for the first time and then lays out a policy agenda for the most important backing of our most basic fundamental right to free speech in at least decades. And we are supposed to feel like these are two losses. These are two wins, and it's obvious unless you are trapped in the central narrative bubble, listening to a bunch of people who have stayed in that bubble for the last three years. It is a habit that you have to break eventually, so it might as well be now. Now, we've been talking a bit about the lame duck session and what complicit Republicans are helping Democrats push through before the end of this Congress's term. Mitch McConnell has been gathering rhino senators to help the Democrats push through all of these lame duck bills. He's helping them to put completely unpassable pieces of legislation into must-pass bills so that they are all passed before the end of this term. And we also have Kevin McCarthy fighting to become speaker in the next term. So this is Kevin McCarthy today responding to all of this. We've got two members leading appropriations in the Senate who will no longer be here or be able to be held accountable to the constituents. We've got an Omni bill that takes 12 appropriation bills and puts them all together and adds the baseline somewhere about $100 billion. We're Christmas season. A talk of the majority right now who wants to put a small continuing resolution to bump all the members up two days before Christmas. To try to vote on a package they cannot read, written by two individuals who will not be here, on spending for the entire government. The Democrats have been in power. They've had the House, the Senate, and the presidency. They did not do their work, but they should not jam us now. They should not jam the American public. We cannot afford it. We should not move a short-term CR. We should move one further into the new year. Allow the American people what they said a month ago to change Washington as we know it today. We can't afford to continue to spend the way the Democrats have. The future generation cannot afford it as well. So Bannon went into this on War Room talking about what would be pushed through during this lame duck session. And he's been talking about this for weeks. He has five critical things. First of all, the raise of the debt ceiling. He's saying it looks like that's dead. He has some sources inside the Senate saying that the debt ceiling raise is dead. That will be pushed into next year. Same thing with the amnesty part of it, where they were trying to legalize citizenship for two to four million illegal aliens, you know, playing it off with the DACA thing. Oh, they're the dreamers. They're Barack Obama's very special people. We have to help these special people and do Whatever we are told will help them, which is give them free citizenship and all sorts of other benefits. And then they have the omnibus spending bill, which looks like it'll be another $2.5 trillion, the woke defense authorization, and the Electoral Count Act. And they are piling all of their agenda items that they haven't gotten done, 
that they haven't been able to sell to the American people. They're trying to push them all through in these two pieces of must pass legislation, the omnibus spending bill and the National Defense Authorization Act. And of course, there is also a push to make Puerto Rico and Washington, D.C. states and to increase the number of Supreme Court justices, because naturally they are going to try to rig the system in every way possible before they get taken out of power. And I know they're not totally taken out of power, but it's going to be a much different scenario in three weeks than it is today. But this is when you call your senators and say, do not do this. There is no reason to do this. You are selling out to the Democrats and to the regime, and we won't stand for it. Your representatives are supposed to be listening to you and executing the will of the people. But we will see over the next week how effective this is and how much they are able to jam through. I look at all of this as temporary because none of the people passing this legislation, virtually none of them are actually legitimately holding their office in the first place. So there is a lot of cleaning to be done and a lot of cleaning that can be done in the future. But in the meantime, we should do our best to hold these people accountable and voice our concerns about all of this. And you might say these rhinos don't care about us at all. And you are exactly right about that. I'm not saying it's going to work. I'm saying you should do it anyway. This is from Red State last night. If you want to know just how much these people hate you, the headline is analysis of RNC spending since 2017 shows millions were spent on private jets, limousines, luxury retreats and Broadway shows. Back in 2010, RNC chair Michael Steele, who is now an MSNBC contributor, that Michael Steele, was heavily criticized and eventually lost his position because donors were angry about what they believed was luxurious spending on private jets, floral arrangements, chauffeur services, and member meetings in expensive tropical locales. Donors were used to frugality from the RNC under the George W. Bush administration, when Karl Rove would bitch if there were flowers on the tables and staff holiday parties were catered by Chick-fil-A. Despite Joe Biden's economy and three straight cycles of election losses, the RNC's big spending days are back with a vengeance. Perhaps because of these losses, both RNC donors and committee members are intensely interested in the committee's finances, particularly the spending. Late last week, Red State was provided a report dated October 7th, 2022, that examined RNC's 2021-2022 spending. It calculated more than $500,000 in private jet expenses, $64,000 at clothing retailers, and $321,000 in floral arrangements. To determine how that compared with the rest of Ronna McDaniel's tenure, Red State examined RNC expenditures from 2017 through 2022. In addition to a review of Federal Elections Commission data, Red State spoke with current vendors, state party officials familiar with the workings, former staffers, some from McDaniel's tenure and some who worked for prior chairs and several current RNC members to verify numbers and dates. Most were only willing to discuss the matters on background and were all promised anonymity to avoid potential retaliation. It is difficult to accurately categorize all of the expenditures because a significant number of transactions seem to be misclassified. For example, nearly $5,000 spent in 2022 at Lululemon. They make yoga clothes. A luxury athletic apparel brand was classified as office expense, as were two expenditures totaling $9,300 at Madison Square Garden in 2017. Our review found that the amount spent during the 2021-2022 election cycle seemed to have been par for the course and possibly even lower than previous portions of McDaniel's tenure. According to FEC filings, since 2017, the RNC has spent $3.1 million on private jet services, $1.3 million on limousine and chauffeur services, $17.1 million on donor mementos like little gifts they give back to the donors, $750,000 on floral arrangements and $80,000 in alcohol-related expenditures. 
Nearly $400,000 has been spent on event tickets and other entertainment activities, including $30,000 for a private box at a Las Vegas Raiders game, $13,000 for Broadway shows, and the list goes on. I'd encourage you to check the article out for yourself. And people would claim, well, yeah, but they're entertaining donors. They're going out to do something fun with the donors. And in return, that donor is going to give them a whole bunch more money. Now, that might be the way it works, but that doesn't mean that it's right. It also shouldn't be the way it works if the RNC, if the regime, if the people in charge aren't getting the results. Now, again, it's entirely possible that they actually are getting the results their donors want. They might have plenty of globalist rhinos among their donors who don't actually want to see Republicans retake the Senate or retake the House. They certainly don't want to see Donald Trump become president again. So maybe the RNC under Ronna McDaniel is doing the work of their donors And since they see themselves as the Republican Party, they could say these are the Republican Party's priorities. But the problem at that point seems to be the fact that they are mistaking Republican voters who actually constitute the Republican Party with the RNC. Again, we have to let go of one of these total reversals, these inversions that have been created for us by the media where we think that they are our leaders and that they tell us what to do and what we need to do to support them. We're told this is just the way it is and you need to help us. Well, why do we need to help you if you're not doing the things we want you to do? And the answer, of course, is we don't. The RNC basically just seems like a get-rich-quick scheme for people like Ronna McDaniel as they go out and have fun entertaining all of these wealthy donors who don't care about winning on behalf of the people. And it turns out that's not actually the only system that exists. Donald Trump has his own donors that donate to Donald Trump, and Donald Trump outraises the RNC and the DNC. So what job is the RNC doing? Is the RNC just doing the bidding of its own wealthy donors whose priorities do not reflect the priorities of the American people or Republican voters or independents who are also MAGA? Kind of seems like the RNC is just another scam, doesn't it? And then we have this big news, which is stuff we have known before, but When information like this pushes its way finally into the mainstream, that is good because it propels the awakening forward. This is from Fox News last night. The headline, COVID origins may have been tied to China's bioweapons program, GOP report. Republican members of the House Intelligence Committee are alleging in a newly released report that there are indications that COVID-19 could be tied to China's biological weapons research program and spilled over to the general human population during an incident at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. The information was released in a minority staff report by members of the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence on Wednesday night. Contrary to the implication of the intelligence community's declassified report, Based on our investigation involving a variety of public and non-public information, we conclude that there are indications that SARS-CoV-2 may have been tied to China's biological weapons research program and spilled over to the human population during a lab-related incident at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. A summary of the report states, the IC failed to adequately address this information in its classified updated assessment. When we attempted to raise the issues with the IC, it failed to respond. In a declassified assessment on the origins of COVID-19 by the Office of the Director of National Intelligence in October 2021, the report states that SARS-CoV-2 was probably not a biological weapon, adding, We remain skeptical of allegations that SARS-CoV-2 was a biological weapon because they are supported by scientifically invalid claims. So that's Joe Biden's Office of the Director 
of national intelligence. And that, of course, is led by Avril Haines. So we're being told by Biden's DNI that the evidence that COVID-19 was a bioweapon created in the Wuhan Institute of Virology is supported by scientifically invalid claims, even though we have the emails showing people like Anthony Fauci discussing the fact that it did come from the lab. There was an operation led by Fauci proven in the emails to get experts and doctors to agree with his position that the lab origin is uncertain and that it most likely came from nature, except it didn't most likely come from nature. It came from the lab. Now, did it come from the Wuhan Institute of Virology? Maybe not, but it came from some lab and it was lab manipulated. And that's what the overwhelming amount of evidence actually does show and has shown from the beginning, which is why this story continues on to this day, no matter how many times they come out and say, oh, I don't know. There are some serious doubts about that. Really? Well, how come you haven't been able to prove your side right at all? All they've said from the beginning is serious doubts, serious doubts. Oh, we have serious doubts. Well, the evidence continues to mount on the other side, while all they claim is serious doubts. They are also famous for making scientifically invalid claims. So that shouldn't sound authoritative to anyone when they claim that the lab origin is based on scientifically invalid claims. Wednesday's report released by House Republicans also alleges that its investigation revealed serious shortcomings with both the classified and declassified versions of the intelligence community's report and states that the omissions likely skewed the public's understanding of key issues and deepened mistrust. The committee believes the IC downplayed important information relating to the possible links between COVID-19 and China's bioweapons research based in part on input from outside experts. The report states, adding that the intelligence community, quote, refuses to be transparent with the committee regarding which experts it relied on. So the intelligence community is not supplying the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence with intelligence. The people's representatives are not being allowed access to the best intelligence, to the full base of intelligence the intelligence community has in order to best represent their constituents. Instead, the intelligence community gets to decide what the people's representatives are allowed to see in an attempt to make the intelligence community's narrative the only one available. Representative Brad Wenstrup from Ohio told Fox News Digital that Americans deserve answers regarding the origins of COVID-19. He says, our report states that COVID-19 may have been tied to China's bioweapons research program and that the intelligence community withheld key information from the American public's authorized elected officials, deepening public mistrust. Our findings also show that the Chinese Communist Party bears more responsibility for the COVID-19 pandemic than what has been publicly known or transparently communicated to the American people. As a physician and an army veteran, I believe it is vitally important that we understand the origins of the COVID-19 pandemic and strive to do everything within our power to pursue policies that will help prevent our country from being vulnerable like this in the future. While alleging that COVID's origins were likely tied to China's biological weapons research program, the report states, we have not seen any credible indication that the virus was intentionally rather than accidentally released. And of course, that would come later. That also doesn't entirely matter. Whether it was an accident or on purpose, the point is that it was the product of bioweapons research and created and manipulated by humans involved in this research. Whether it escaped the lab or was released intentionally, which honestly, we're going to find out it was. Either way, this is still one of the greatest scientific disasters in the history of mankind, and we are still being told to trust the science. No, the science created the virus. The science created the vaccine. 
And the science failed to prevent this problem. They created the problem and they created the solution. That's all the science. And they told us to wear masks and they told us lockdowns worked, even though there was absolutely no proof that that ever could possibly work. They told us that the vaccine could prevent infection, transmission, serious illness, hospitalization, and death. Turns out it doesn't do any of those things. In fact, it causes them. So once again, three cheers for the science. Nor do we claim that the information we found is a smoking gun that definitively resolves the question of the origins of COVID-19 beyond all doubt. However, the information is important to furthering the public's understanding, and we will seek to declassify the classified version of our report in the next Congress to further the conversation, the report states. Now, what this leaves out is that China's bioweapons program is not just China's bioweapons program. We know that the Wuhan Institute of Virology received funding from the NIH, that's Francis Collins, and from NIAID, that's Anthony Fauci, through EcoHealth Alliance and Peter Daszak. We know that some of the research was done on American soil by Ralph Barrick at the University of North Carolina. There was work being done in Texas. There is DOD funding. There is DARPA funding. There is involvement of the global communist regime and people in the current illegitimate administration. There is nothing new about any of this. Joe Biden and Barack Obama were involved in similar bioweapons laboratories in Ukraine. There is no doubt about the existence of those or when they began operating on American funding with the approval of Americans in partnership with American universities and doctors and scientists and organizations. This isn't just the CCP and it isn't just China. So it's good that this information is getting out to the mainstream. Maybe it'll spark further public conversation. Maybe it will hammer down the fact that this virus was lab manipulated. This thing happened intentionally. It didn't just come from a bat ending up in someone's soup in a wet market. And at that point, the conversation about responsibility shifts to people like Fauci, like Collins, like the institution of science at large. What's important is forward narrative progress. This is advancing the awakening. That is what you should focus on. That's what I focus on. In fact, focus on whatever you like, but you'll be a whole lot happier and a whole lot more tuned in to what's actually happening if you look at it that way rather than, does this article solve all my problems right now? Does Trump's major announcement fix everything that's wrong in my life? You're always going to be disappointed that way. Because that's not how it works. And that's not how life works. And you know that. I understand that all of this stuff is so important. It really is important. I'm not denying that. I understand that it affects your life as it affects my life. But until you have the power to change those things out in the world, what you can control is yourself and your response. And you can try to bring your emotions to heal so that they don't get the best of you, so they don't throw you off your game, so that you're still able to make a rational analysis about what's going on. And I know that people have a tendency to waver in their faith. We all have that. The faith that this thing actually is going to turn out all right, that we ourselves are going to be okay, our family, our friends, our children, if you have them, our parents, if you have them. Our communities, our jobs, are they going to be okay? Are we going to survive this? Well, yes, first of all, you are. The way you do that is by understanding what's happening, analyzing situations rationally, using discernment, and coming to the conclusions, and then doing the things that you need to do to ensure that your personal future is okay. You can't fix the world before fixing yourself. I mean, one person can't fix the world in general, but you're certainly not going to have the effect that you want to have if you yourself are a mess and can't control your emotions. You're also more likely to make every waking moment a living hell. You cannot control the future. You can control your reactions 
in your emotions. You can step back. You can be patient. You can take a breath. You can wait a little while, see what happens as the information comes in and then try to understand it. My friend, just human Kyle always talks about this. Understanding is greater than reacting. And look at what the immediate reactions just brought today. Trump puts out a bunch of funny Trump cards that encourage people to get digital wallets and may have some very interesting communications and ideas and symbols and imagery that speak to exactly what's happening now. We'll see how relevant that is. Maybe it's not relevant at all. Maybe the Trump cards are just a small thing that gets people interested in digital currency. Maybe that's the sum total effect of those. That would be surprising to me, but you don't have to believe what I believe. A lot of people got really upset, really emotional. They had tantrums online and they tried to make their tantrums sound really smart so that they could place themselves in a protected position against those emotions. Oh, nobody's going to call me stupid. I'm going to have this emotional reaction and say there's a good reason for it. And everyone on Twitter is going to understand that I'm right because they're all upset just like I am. And we're going to feel so good together once we're all upset at the same time. Well, you did that for about an hour and a half. And then Donald Trump releases an announcement video detailing the most specific and wide-ranging steps toward protecting our First Amendment rights. So what was the point of the emotional reaction? What was the point of calling Trump stupid and thinking that he needs to fire everybody around him because he's just taking bad advice or that he's tired or he's lost his edge? Oh, he's going to retire from the politics game. He's not even taking any of this seriously anymore. He's grifting off his supporters. Nope. Just no. That's not what happened. And an hour and a half later, it became obvious that that's not what happened. But people are still upset and Trump's still dumb. Isn't that amazing? Trump has tricked all his supporters once again. The people saying that have never understood a single thing Donald Trump has ever done. It's been seven and a half years since he came down the escalator and we're still dealing with the same problem from the same people and we're still listening to those people. I'm not telling you who to listen to and who not to listen to, but I am saying if they keep leading you to fairly obviously incorrect conclusions, maybe it's time to accept that these people are still very much inside the false reality and you don't have to stay in there with them. I'll be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic. Joe Biden will never be president. In my mind, that's the end game. If you're listening to this episode for free, you can support me and support the show and the work I do by signing up for a paid subscription at imyourmoderator.substack.com. You can do so for as low as $50 a year or $5 a month. Comes out to under a quarter per episode and you'll blast right through the paywall for all of the writing. The merch store is www.cancelcouture.com and you can find everything else by heading to Linktree linktree.com slash I'm your moderator and I'll see you soon out on the range Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'm your moderator.substack.com. The merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!